This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of What Most People Think. Uh, second wave is coming. Get downstairs, get in your cellars. The second wave is coming like a, it's coming like a hurricane. Get in a giant hamster ball. That's what we all need to do as a society. Get in one of those Perspex giant hamster balls and never breathe the sweet air of planet Earth again. Flatten the curve. Eliminate the curve. Pretend curves never existed. How, how's your week? Sorry, I've, I've started off on one again, but uh, obviously, you know, there's been a rise uh, in COVID cases in Europe and it may may or may not be something to do with the fact that, you know, we're sort of leaving our houses again. Who knows, right? Who knows? But we will get onto that uh, as the show goes on. How's your week been? Has it been all right? Have you done like outrageous things like go to a pub or eat in a restaurant or take advantage of the government's... Um, the government's help out to eat out, eat out to help out, or have oral sex to, to get back with the ex. I don't know. But have you done any of that? Good for you, because you know what? Today, the Bank of England, I record this on the Thursday, the Bank of England have upgraded uh, their economic predictions. I know it's so weird, isn't it, that the economic institutions had a view of the British economy that was uh, pessimistic, and now they've come to a slightly more positive one. Because I say it time and time again, people, on what most people think, the great thing about this country is that we buy lots of pointless shit that we don't need, all right? And, and it's seen as, you know, rampant consumerism, but actually, in our darkest days, it shall sustain us. It shall sustain us. So um, get ready uh, for my Jeff Norcott's Front Room Fringe. I could have just said Front Room Fringe, really. They're clearly my shows. Um, tonight, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I will be announcing some new ones soon. So I'll be announcing that later in the show. But I've got my kit as I'm looking at it. I've got my little floodlight things here which look like I quite like them because they're lights but they look like floodlights from the old Sabutio kits I've got my green screen behind me I'm ready to go man so if you're coming I'll hopefully I'll see you there and if and if you're listening to this afterwards and it was a complete disaster I apologize you know I, I took a risk I tried something and uh, let us never speak of this again but no I'm looking forward to it I mean, there's plenty to talk about isn't there that is the point. There's plenty to talk about. That's why doing this podcast weekly, and also thank you to the patrons. If you want to uh, support this show, keep it weekly and ad-free. It's uh, Patreon, go to uh, www, obviously www. There's no other World Wide Webs, is there? There's no, there's no competing secret internet. And uh, just go what most people think, or Jeff Norcott, and uh, you, you can support the show. And, you know, there's little benefits that go with that. You know, some of the people, the show that I'm doing tonight, I did new material gigs for Patreon only. And we, and we, had, a, we had a right old laugh, didn't we? Didn't we, the Patreons? But, uh, but look, just thank you for downloading it generally. Subscribe to it. 
If you leave me a five-star review on iTunes, I will read it out. I'll read out every single one. But as I say, there are there are benefits of being a patron. If you're a £10 patron, it's a guaranteed readout. That's worth it, isn't it? What, I'll hear my name on it. Yes, you will. Mark Taylor, former Aussie opening batsman. Was he opener? I don't know. And Graham Barnett. Graham Barnett, right? Mark Taylor sounds like... Uh, like, you know, obviously, Mark Taylor, the Australian batsman. But Graham Barnett sounds like one of those English batsmen that sort of was selected for five tests in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. Actually did all right. Do you know what I mean? They had very strong forward defensive, but got bounced out by Craig McDermott. There's a great way of losing listeners, just getting really specific with the cricket references. Um, cuss count. We do a weekly cuss count. So just to remind you of the history of this was initially people said I was swearing too much. And then the glory... Of my listeners is then people said, no, you're not swearing enough. Because you know what? We live in an incredibly risk-averse age now. And people are like, yeah, I like the swearing. <laughs> I like the risk element of it. So the cuss count for last week. I actually think this is lower than I thought it would be. But it was only a 40-minute episode. Oh, have we just discovered a new coefficient there? There's one for David Domain, our friend who puts this together for us. Is there a ratio of minute swears per minute that we could look at? So we could look at both the overall cuss count and we could look at swears per minute. But anyway, last week it was two asses, four fucks, 20 fuckings. I mean, it's kind of standard. Two piss, one pissing, two pissies, a lot of piss there. Two pricks, seven shits and a twat. That's why. So just before we get into it, we're going to be looking today at just stuff around COVID because there's been a lot of stuff building up over the week and we'll be looking at that in the first section. And then the other thing we'll be looking at is, uh, is kind of, there's been a few more bannings of things. We'll be looking at generally what's happening in the world of woke. You know, what what kind of bullshit I, <laughs> alienating ideas have they come up with this week? Yeah, one of them was that an advert for Audi got banned because apparently... It was paedophilic. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Something to look forward to. Uh, just a quick, we always do a thank you and a fuck you before we crack on with the show. And the thank you uh, is to everybody coming to these online gigs. I've, I've, it's given me a purpose, just like the podcast in lockdown. I've been busy actually writing other things, but um, it is, it's very strange. You know, doing the gigs, because I did a warm-up gig on Monday, and doing the gigs is, is great fun. The bit after you do the gigs is weird, though, because you're kind of buzzing from that high octane buzz of having made you know 20 people sort of smirk online you know and you come out of that and then you're standing in your kitchen it's weird it's weird the one I did Monday within within minutes of finishing the gig I was uh I was having a bit of crumpet <laughs> oh not that oh no God, that, let's bring that word back oh should not be a crumpet right because that was when uh, English cuisine was so limited that actually crumpet actually rep- represented the high point of what you'd be able to eat Anyway, thank you to anybody coming to the gigs over the next three nights. And just to fuck you, wait in, uh, to those dickheads online, you know, the experts. And whatever the latest thing that's happened is there's always like just a bunch of blokes that know all about this immediately. So obviously we had the tragic explosion in Beirut, you know, uh, earlier this week and people died and were injured. It's horrible. And But of course, you know, you had the, the, you had the conspiracy theorists, you had the people that couldn't wait to just say Israel. They just wanted to say Israel because everything bad Israel. Remember we spoke about it last week? Seven degrees of separation from Israel. Everything Israel. The Jews. Israel did it. Anyway, it turned out not to be that at all. But what happened was, as the videos were circulated, we then had the, like these explosives experts. And I'm sure that there are explosives experts on Twitter. But I'm also sure that not everybody claiming to be an explosive expert knew what the fuck they were talking about. All right? And there's just, there's just nothing that could happen 
anywhere in the world that wouldn't prompt somebody on Twitter to go, actually, I think you'll find, you know, actually, mate, why don't you butt the fuck out? It's just thought it's a good time to have a catch up on all things COVID related, right? Because uh, as the government have kind of uh, unlocked, as they should be doing, right? We should be trying to get back to some sort of life here. And, you know, people have been allowed to do outrageous acts of liberty, like go to a pub or a restaurant, you know, just, just mad, mad stuff like that. Um, there has been also a rise in cases, right? Now, there's some interesting information around, you know, that the we're just testing a lot. This is another failure of the Tories, right? One of the things I've thought for years about the Tories is uh, they do stuff wrong, but also they're really bad at letting you know what they did right. And I think that and and there is our testing per million population is 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 one of the best of any developed nation in Europe, and it's also one of the best in the world, right? We've tested a lot of people, right? So what that means is a lot of people on any given day that know whether or not they've got COVID, which is a useful thing. But you know, maybe the thing with the Tories is that they. It's all, it's so many of them went to public school. So they actually, they love arguing. No, 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 I think you'll find. No, actually, they like being contrarians. But when it comes to stuff that they've done well, they can't actually give themselves credit. I don't know if there's something that comes with being left at boarding school by Mater and Painter, but they can't do it. They like really, um, you know, start shuffling their shoes. Well, you know, I think we've done all right on the old testing, papa. What was that, boy? What was that? But look, you're still, look at the death rate. And you're like, yes, I know, I know the death rate's bad, but, you know, we have actually improved the uh, testing. Come here, boy, I'll give you six of the best. <laughs> it was always weird, wasn't it? Like, six of the best. Like, they, they, like the fact that you're going to get spanked on your ass isn't bad enough news, but they're just going, you know what? These going to be, I'm going to absolutely middle every single one of these. They're going to be like fucking half volleys on your ass. Yeah, we could do it at the kids nowadays, you know what I mean? Bit of a spanking. Not spanking. Spanking made it sound sexual. So then, of course, you know, the numbers uh, creep up. There's a slight creep. You know, we sort of seem to be getting about 400, 500 new cases, then we're up to about, like, 900. But hospitalizations haven't been going up. You know, people needing ventilators, all that sort of stuff hasn't been going up. But, of course, you get the people going, no, let's lock down again. Let's lock down. Let's hunker down. Let's get back in the cellar. And you think, can we do look at all the associated costs of lockdown? You know, heart attacks are up, you know, heart attacks up, people dying from heart attacks are up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something else, I'm going to make, you know what else is up? Impotence, I don't know why, it's just up, maybe that's just me, and I don't know where it came, where it changed from the idea that was to flatten the curve, right, the flatten the curve, okay, yeah, so we don't want to um, overwhelm the NHS, because the NHS, you know, it's, it gets very nervous sometimes, we don't want to overwhelm it, you know, even though like, uh, even though you know it's one of the biggest health services in the world, let's let's just let's be gentle. Let's just let's all just stay in our houses and have heart attacks because just so long as the NHS isn't overwhelmed, and um, but then people have got to eliminate the curve, eliminate the curve. There shouldn't be any COVID, right? There shouldn't be any. There's a lot of people now, including what's her name, Carol Cadwalla or something. She's 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 one of a group of people, you know, on the liberal left that thinks we should have zero COVID. Have a look at hashtag zero COVID. So what's happened, right? They've looked at, like, um, New Zealand with old Jacinda, you know? Jacinda, they've got no COVID there at all. And you know what? I'm sick of it. I said it on Twitter this week. I'm doubling down. I don't want to hear any more about fucking New Zealand, all right? New Zealand, they've got no COVID. And you see, New Zealand, no one lives there. No one, it was already socially distanced. They already, they even had two islands that they could just move to, I think, <laughs> to increase stuff. You know, at some point, they're very isolated, New Zealand. Very isolated. Not in, they ain't got like a fucking tunnel to France like we have. What we've done, right, is we've given, we've given 
control to the fear fear mongers, the, the risk averse people. Normally those people aren't in charge of life, but at the moment that sentiment seems to be leading things. And there may be, look, the, the, as I'm speaking, the case has been up around the 700, 900 mark for a few days. It might get even more of that. Surely what we should be looking at, right? Surely what we should be looking at is, is hospitalizations, you know? Maybe the people that were super vulnerable to it got it in the first wave, and maybe in this wave, it's not as, um, it's not gonna be as dangerous. I just, and then they come up with these binary choices. There's a group called, what is it? <clears throat> I know, I think these guys were from the actual SAGE panel, right, SAGE. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure putting yourself in it sage i would have gone with a different acronym that um that basically spelled out um we think so you know or or um i would have gone for um like ep epidemiology i can't say that fucking word epidemiology resistance movement um that's a better thing isn't it to express a lack of certainty, given that science hasn't really been able to fully come together on a lot of things. But they came out and said, like, you know, we're at the limit of what we can unlock <clears throat> safely, right? And um, they sort of said, you know, we might have to shut the pubs to reopen the schools. Don't you dare make this a binary choice with pubs and schools, okay? Because we all know half the teachers are in the pubs. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> but also, like, I don't know if it's definitely a case. I, I don't know where it's psychologically... I was never like a massive pub guy recently, but when I couldn't go, I don't know about you, the idea that I couldn't go to a pub was troubling. It was really troubling. And I've actually gone to pubs more since. I've sort of, this could be, this could actually be the saviour, the saving of pubs. I don't know, have you been out to a pub recently? Are you too scared? No, I'm just staying indoors, you know, I just think it's too risky out there. It's fine. Yeah, this will be another one of the podcasts, like the one I did at the beginning of all this, where I said that British people might be all right because we're not that tactile. <laughs> The great thing is I'm a comedian, okay? I'm not a scientist or a politician. I chat shit. Sometimes I'm wrong, but sometimes, like in the case of Australia, I was saying a long time ago, you know, at some point they're going to have to start opening up. And then if they haven't had the virus in their community at all, unless we get a vaccine, they're going to have outbreaks, right? Like they have in Melbourne. And what if, if your strategy is let's wait for a vaccine, right? Let's wait for this miracle cure. Fair enough. You know, that is a super kind of caring way to, you know, care for your society but what if there's another coronavirus at the same time what if there's a, what if there becomes like several different ones this is covid19 covid20 21 they just keep coming what are you gonna do like, okay we're working on a vaccine for that working on a vaccine for that we're gonna get a vaccine for that we estimate that we'll be able to open the pubs in late 2027 so let's all stick that one in the calendar guys that's all we're just like it'd just be loads of coronaviruses just hovering over us like planes waiting to land. What most people think. I've got to say as well, Nicola Sturgeon's been pissing me off. She she's another one of those things. She's a bit like the NHS where Twitter things that Twitter loves that I find annoying. NHS <laughs> and Nicola Sturgeon, you know? She's still doing the daily briefings. There's no specific reason for her to be doing a briefing every day. She just loves being on telly. Do you know what I mean? She's like it's like she thinks she's like got the this morning slot, hasn't she? Oh, hello, welcome with Nicola again. Okay, so there's been two cases of COVID in Perthshire, so I'm gonna lock down the whole of the Grampian region. People are Scottish people are going, that's not the same place, Jeff. And why are you speaking like Mrs. Doubtfire? She just, she, she loves being on telly. I mean, she is a genius politically. What she's done is she's parlayed this whole situation to make herself look like a leadership as much as possible, right? And she toys with things like, 
uh, we may have to shut the border with England. <laughs> like she's not taking great pleasure out of wielding that power. Oh, you know, we, we don't want those dirty English coming up with their COVID. Fuck you, Nicola. Okay, I'll tell you something, right? I'm really looking forward to the point where COVID dies down and then Nicola immediately is straight on the independence thing. And when all these people on the liberal left who champion not leaving the EU will have a big face of the fact she's a nationalist that wants to break up a financially successful union, right? It's her right to do that. You know, I'm a Democrat. It's her right to do that. But how are they going to manage that grift, right? To, to realising what it is that Nicola Sturgeon wants to do. And I'll say, shut the border, Nicola. If, if you get independence from Britain, right? You The balance of trade between Scotland and Britain, you're going to have to, like 60% of uh, Scottish business is done with England, okay? So it's not only we have to keep the border open, you're going to have to be more nice to us, okay? Because over the years, yeah, well, England's the old whipping ball down there in old Westminster, dirty English bastards, right? Now we don't have to... You know, we don't have to deal with Scotland. I want, I want, I want Scotland to stay part of the union. Desperately want that, you know? I mean, it's obvious there's so much shared culture. But equally, you know, business is going to be competitive, Nicola. See, I'll tell you something, Nicola, if you listen to this, you start talking about shutting that border again. Maybe we'll shut the border, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll shut the border. Maybe we'll stop buying the old fucking shortbread in the tartan tins. Okay, just a quick hype there. Uh, sorry, I'm still laughing at my shortbread and tartan tins thing. Sometimes I say things that are so unbelievably petty. I feel them and I think them and then I say them and it makes me laugh because I'm clearly being a dick. Um, right, Patreons, there's new dates. New dates for Jeff Norcott's Front Room Fringe because the first three sold out. And by the way, all the people say to me, well, how can you sell out an online gig? You ever heard of webinar hosting? <laughs> That's one of the lamest things I've ever said in a comedic context. Yeah, there's only so many people you can have there. And yeah, I did want to... Yeah, limit it, because I, I don't know what this thing is going to go like. I need it to be a certain amount of people. If this absolutely tanks or I lose my Wi-Fi connection, okay, there needs to be a limited audience. But there are new dates, the 20th and the 21st of August. This podcast will go out on Friday morning. So by midday on Friday, the 7th of August, they will be on general sale. So get them while they're there. The first three sold out. It'd be lovely to see you there. And yeah, update RE uh, live tour dates. I'm still going to try and go ahead with these. You know, I know all the other comedians are moving them. But, and I will eventually, if I have to move them, I'll move them. But they will not remove me. I'll be, I'll be standing there, last man standing. We'll all go like those blokes in those outfits from fucking E.T. So, um, but yeah, get online. Um, Jeff Norcott's Front Room Friends, 20th and 21st of August. And I will update people regarding live tour dates when I have the news. My, my hunch is this little second wave thing is going to plateau out. Before we know it, we'll all be doing the conga, you know, doing the Lambeth Walk together. Every evening, every day. Do you ever think that about that song? They slightly overdid it. You'll find us all doing the Lambeth Walk. Oi! And you go, okay, I'm right. I'm the Lambeth Walk. I, every evening, every day. I just think that maybe it's a bit like Clap for Carers. Like, There's a bit where they're all into it at first. And some people are going, isn't it? Anyone is finding doing the Lambeth Walk every evening. It's just a bit boring. Like I just feel bad. But, you know, Keith, Keith loves it. And I just feel like, you know... I'm just going to tell him that I've got um, something else on, like I've got cry <laughs> every evening, every day. Uh, just welcome, uh, say hello to a big, sh- a big shout out. A shout out to some five pound fringe um, Patreon people. Nigel Poor, spelled P-O-O-R-E, Nigel Poor. Uh, I bet he's fucking minted. I bet that's the irony of his life, isn't it? Nigel Poor's got a few quid. It's just everyone laughs to go, yeah, surname's poor, as he drives off in the Lamborghini. <laughs> 
That was my impression of a car. Uh, Leslie DuRose, that is a brilliant name. Leslie DuRose. Sounds like, uh, like an actress from New Jersey in the 30s. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Leslie DuRose. Put it on the lips. Put it... <laughs> I don't even know the song to sing there, but you know the kind of song I mean. You know, uh, bring out the clowns. I don't, I don't know. And James Harker. James Harker. James Harker, that's a really cool name, James Harker. You sound like you're a young fantasy fiction writer. The new one from James Harker called Crystal Source. And its sequel, its million-selling follow-up, Angel Demon Boy. Okay, a little update from the wacky world of Woke. This week, a couple of stories caught my eye. <laughs> People always say that on topical shows, don't they? I'll tell you what caught my eye this week. It does not what happens. It means, well, I'll tell you what I've read and I had a reaction to. It didn't just catch my eye. Um, there was an Audi advert, Ben. There was an advert of Audi. And it had basically had a red, I think it was like an electric Audi. Have you noticed this with cars now? It's a bit like, you know when McDonald's used to do salads? And then no one ever really got the salads. It's a bit like that with electric cars, aren't they? They're sort of saying, this is our new electric car. And everyone goes, yeah, great. Fuck, you got a petrol one, though. Um, so there was a new electric car, and it was a red car. And in front of it, standing in front of it, was a little girl, and she was eating a banana, right? Now, when I first saw this advert, I was like, yeah, that's an unusual image, but fine. And then people really climbed into Audi because of this, going, yeah, great, yeah. A sexual image involving a little girl. I'm like, wow, I've, how fucking weird would you have to be to see a four-year-old girl eating a banana and think of a blowjob. What the fuck is wrong with you? My God, I didn't think that. I thought I thought the imagery was about, it's this big, powerful thing, but there's something playful about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just an interesting contrast of image. You know, it's a very vulnerable-looking thing, and then there's this, you know, monster-looking machine, and I didn't think anything about nonsense. I'll tell you that much. And I'll tell you something, if, if Audi did think that, if Audi did think that, I, I, I want a SWAT team to descend on their offices. You, this shouldn't stop with them just banning the advert. I want everybody just emptying out fucking hard drives. I want, like, DNA swabs on everybody on their marketing team just going back to historic crimes against children from the last 25 years. Because, honestly, if you deliberately played with images of all sex with a four-year-old girl, then fuck me, that is, uh, that is all kinds of wrong. But you ever notice this? Sometimes on the wokest, they were, you know... They kind of betray their own view in what they see. Like they've got this depraved mind that's always on the lookout for exploitation and abuse. They just see it in something really weird, like a little girl eating a banana. Oh yeah, we get it, Audi. Yeah, little girl sticking a banana. You, do you realize how fucked up this is that you saw that? And there was another thing as well. There was um, the film Kindergarten Cop. There was a, a film festival in Portland, which was uh, celebrating, you know, the film industry in Portland. Everything that's been shot there. And it got, it did get banned. I know the lefty sometimes thinks, oh, stop using cancel culture and ban. It did get banned. It got banned because they said that the film romanticizes heavy handed policing. Yeah. I would say it also romanticizes the idea that Arnold Schwarzenegger could do comedy because he can't. You know, it's, and I would also say it's a fucking film. It's a film. What's wrong with you? What power do you think these things have? Do you think. Someone would watch the film Kindergarten Cop and go, yeah, I actually think we should be uh, increasing the use of tasers. There's no, there's no connection there. It's a stupid family film. And you know, I was thinking, like, what else? Uh, they wouldn't mind a film Junior, though, would you? The wokest. They'd be like, well, Junior, yeah, a man having a baby. Nothing weird about that. Stick that one on. 
And then we also had a bit of controversy because BBC Bite Size, which I understand is a resource to help kids revise for their exams, Bite Size Revision, that's what it's supposed to mean. And they did a tweet, which is, what is white privilege? So we asked John Amici, a psychologist, better author and former NBA basketball player, to explain it for us, right? So first up, I mean, he's like, I mean, like, again, I've said time and time again, I'm not disputing the idea that a form of white privilege exists. I'm going to say John Amici, multi-millionaire John Amici, is not necessarily, you know, the guy to explain it. Anyway, this is all besides the point. The point is, is this is a, a taxpayer, license fee payer, something about saying taxpayer or license fee payer that instinctively makes you feel more right wing, right? But it's funded by people and this is supposed to be for kids revision. So this is, is so it begs one or two questions. This got fucking anything to do with exams? And if it hasn't, why are they, why are they talking about it? I don't, it's sort of not within their kind of remit. On the other hand, is, is that a question now about white privilege? Has that become like a part of the curriculum, you know? Because they could, could be good, lead to some quite funny answers, couldn't it? Um, define white privilege. I would just go, give me a fucking A because I'm white. That's what I'd do. I'd write that on the paper. <laughs> define white privilege. Yeah, uh, the fact that um, that Prince William can pull someone that looks like Kate Middleton. <laughs> it's just always, I know I keep going on about it, but it's just such a complicated area, isn't it? There's so many, you know, like a, a sort of professional metropolitan black man versus a kind of a rural young white kid. I don't know. There's just so much crossover. These these broad brushstroke ideas. And don't get me wrong, like John Amici, he, I actually watched it. You know, he, he's not being aggressive and stuff like that. But he does bang home the idea that that white privilege is a thing. Fine. I just Is this the context for it? And it, it makes people pissed off with, you know, the BBC. These, these BBC, like, videos, they never seem to show... People, you know, they never seem to show anything that represents the preoccupations of the vast majority of people that watch the BBC, if you know what I mean. If you think about, you know, white working class people, um, uh, Brexit voters, conservatives, like that is given, like if you look at overall percentage where that worldview is represented, um, and you might say, well, Jeff, you're on the diversity panel. What are you doing about it? I'm trying. And you know what? On the diversity panel, there's some good people that understand this, but it takes time. However, the BBC is a big organisation, and then you get... BBC Bites are saying, what is white privilege? That is, I mean, is, was that an exam question or something? How many marks are available? What is white privilege? Yeah, I revised it. I revised white privilege by just, uh, you know, going to an airport in another country and being waved through customs. <laughs> How do you revise your white privilege? Yeah, no, I really brushed up on my white privilege recently. Um, yeah, I just got a job, you know, did, just, just went up there, sat down for the interview. They noticed I was white and I got the job. And this, you know, this is what happens with the left politically. Is whenever you know people are really confused about the fact that um, that the Tories are still, you know, if anything, have in certain polls recently have increased their 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 polling, and people don't understand this because one, well, they mistakenly think that the public view the whole COVID thing as a disaster when actually the public have a more nuanced takes on the things that have been done well and the things that have been done badly, and also are very suspicious about the overall numbers when it comes to COVID, given that now we all know someone who had an elderly relative die, right? <laughs> that died of fucking brain tumour, but they'd seen a news report about COVID. So COVID, right? But also, the other idea is that when I think about the left getting into power, I think about this worldview. I think about, you know, politicians in the Labour Party, a lot of whom think this kind of stuff is great. And this stuff is... It's not to say this stuff doesn't have some, um, a place on a list of priorities, but it always seems to be the priority, 
right? And, and the idea of politicians like that having actual political power worries me. And hence, the Conservative Party, for all of their idiocy, do you know what I mean? For all of their lack of skill in certain communications, for the, for the time being, still seem like a better bet. Okay, we've got some letters here. Um, let's go through. Right, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Pubs or schools? Does this confirm teachers are a bunch of pissheads? <laughs> this is from Richard. I actually said that earlier in the podcast, didn't I? Maybe, uh, maybe I use some royalties there, Richard. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a strange choice, isn't it? Like, why, why is it pubs or schools? I don't know. Maybe, like, pubs or schools have got some sort of overlap, aren't they? Places that you spend a, lot, a long time. Do you know what I mean? You find out, find out things about who you are. I mean, like, some pubs have still got a quiz machine. Have they? I don't know. Do they? That's bod. Yeah, because like anyone could just play quizzes on their phones now. Am I, have I just shown myself up for being a really old bastard that hasn't kept up with technology whatsoever? Have pub, do pub quizzes still exist? I suppose what happened was in the 90s, you used to have like a pub quiz machine and then people go, why don't we actually do a pub quiz? Yeah. So maybe the technology went ahead there. But I mean, one thing we don't have in a pub quiz is that fucking twat that would just nurse one pint of Carlin for the whole day and just wait for somebody to be on the pub quiz machine then come over like he was fucking Magnus Magnus. <laughs> I've just done it again. I'm trying to trying to prove that I'm up to date with modern references and I've gone for somebody that hasn't hosted Mastermind since before I had pubes. What most people think. Okay, next letter here. Jeff, since lockdown, this is, uh, since lockdown, I've realised how much... I pissed my wife off. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not alone, probably. Uh, she just can't stand me. Uh, I didn't realise how much me having a leave the house job. Is that what they're called now? One of the old, you know, the old leave the house jobs. Yeah, remember pre-COVID when we used to leave the house to do a job? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've forgotten about those. Do you remember that? Remember when we used to commute to places? Do you remember like when we used to have an economy? Because of all the places that relied on people being in city centres and buying fucking sandwiches. Oh, my God. What an old-fashioned idea, that. Anyway, should we go outside and catch another wrap for dinner? Zero COVID, for fuck's sake. Come on, let's get out. Let's get the economy moving. Let's accept risk, people. Anyway, I've gone off the point here. Um, she loves me. Uh, this is going back to our letter. She loves me, but I don't think she likes me. And that's from Anon, <laughs> somewhat unsurprisingly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and this is a quite a broad brushstroke here, but I do love stereotyping, is that I think um, I think that on the whole, women, you know, even in a loving partnership, marriage, that has gone on for a number of years, I think women generally find blokes more annoying than blokes find women. I don't know what it is. I don't think blokes on balance are more annoying than women. I think women are plenty annoying themselves. There's one area where I think that they're, they're doing their best for equality. But I think that what happens is, this is the difference, right? I think women often wake up with a specific view of how they want their man to be, right? They just think, yeah, I just, I hope he acts like that today. You know, I hope he's in a really playful mood when we go and visit my parents or I just hope he's like really easygoing and attentive and, and all of those are reasonable expectations from a life partner, right? But I just don't think it happens the other way. I don't think blokes just wake up and go, yeah, I hope, I hope she's like really maternal today. <laughs> Oh, she just like fucking brings me a sandwich about being asked. Like, I, I, like, blokes don't think that, do they? They just think, I hope she's in a good mood. That's all men think about. They just go, I hope it's one of, not one of those days where 
you know, with a bloke up, you get up and you always feel, you already feel like you're, um, it's like you're sort of start, starting the Ryder Cup four shots down, like like a four over par. That's how it feels some days, doesn't it, for me? You just get up and you go, so did I have fucking like, um, like, uh, did I do something in your dream or, or something? Cause <laughs> but the women, women have got expectations, you know? And I think that maybe that's part of like the sexual dynamic is that, you know, you look at the egg and the sperm. I'm getting a bit biological in this. The egg is one thing and the sperm is millions of things that have to penetrate it. And I think that metaphor plays out, doesn't it? Women are like, yeah. I'm going to let you in when I'm ready. You've got to do the right thing to get in here. Whereas men, we just find loads of shit at the board, <laughs> hoping that some of it sticks. I wasn't thinking about that um, stat, but, but any man on any given day has enough sperm to populate the continent of Europe. Do you know what I mean? That is, that is just so much power. It's amazing what men, we men are capable of. And you think, well, you think what happens to most of it, either it dies in our balls or in our socks. Sorry! Look, I'm a stand-up comedian. I haven't gigged for a while. I came up on the weekend club circuit. If I can end an observation with a wanker gag, I'm going to do it. Okay, so we're going to do a quick political fight here between who would win a fight. This is from Jane. Who would win a fight between Pretty Patel and Nicola Sturgeon? Well, I think I think we've done both of those ladies. Hello. Um, I think we've. I think they've both appeared in imaginary political fights before. Um, so Pretty Patel versus Nicola Sturgeon. Interestingly. Very similar height uh, and builds and different hair, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, don't take the piss out of Nicola's hair. That is just so misogynistic. I'm like, nah, it's, it's bad hair. You know, if you're going to do the Boris thing, if you're going to do the Trump thing, do you know what I mean? Like Theresa May, you know it's how the feminists didn't give a fuck about taking the piss when it was Theresa May. Oh, because she's a right-wing woman. Of course, right-wing women are, are fair game. And also, you know, the way the pretty Patel gets represented is some sort of bull with a fucking nose, with a, a nose ring. So, yeah, Nicola Sturgeon does have really bad hair. Why am I? I've got a thing about Nicola Sturgeon. So maybe I fancy her. Do you know what I mean? Look, I've got to be honest, you know, for all my um, reservations about Nicola Sturgeon, she's winning this very quickly. She's got in there. I, th I think she's got quite t t uh, short little arms, but I think she can really work inside there. I think pretty. I think pretty is used to taking a slap. You can't have like a smirk like that and not being battered once or once or twice by some other woman in a pub. What you fucking say? Um, she's had a few of those, isn't she? Like just evils. She's one of those people who just naturally throws out evils and ends up. I bet she's had a she's had a fucking weave pulled off a couple of times. I don't know. Nick Sturgeon versus Patel. I think um, I think maybe Patel's going to work. She's going to do the scratching. I think she's going to fight dirty. Whereas I think Sturgeon will fight old-fashioned, pugilistic, up front. And I think over time, I think disqualification. But that is a victory by disqualification for Nicola Sturgeon. Okay, that is the end of this episode this week. Uh, a slightly shorter one than usual there, but I've got preparing for the show tonight. Jeff Norcott's front run friends. It's uh, a lot of pressure speaking into your laptop. Um, just a shout out to a few £3 patrons. Andrew Martin, Kerry Warner and Simon Jones. Uh, cricketer Simon Jones? Probably not. Um, but they, they, their names don't sound... Uh, Martin, Warner and Jones. What is that? Is that a solicitor's? Martin, Warner and Jones. That is a solicitor's, but they're dealing with some high-end property deals. You know what I mean? They're those people that just learned something that was so unbelievably boring that you couldn't help but make money out of it. <laughs> you know you know like that high-end corporate law, law stuff where you just meet those people and they, they hate their job, but they don't hate their watch? Do you know what I mean? They're like, yeah, my job is shit, but uh, my watch is amazing. 
Um, okay, we're going to do the iTunes reviews. I haven't checked this. I always say the same shit, don't I? I haven't checked this week, but I really don't. And it is a bit of a, um, a, bit of a lottery as to what comes up. Um, let's have a look. Ratings and reviews. Oh, we've got a couple. Um, despite having... Oh, we've got, we got a, we've got, um, a one star. We've got two one stars. Amazing. Um, I haven't had a few of these for a while. This is by Wilkin the Irritant. Uh, a Jim Davidson bootleg, but not as funny. There you go. Round of applause for the Jim Davidson cliche. Well done. Well done. Because Jim Davidson, I remember how he talked, spoke about social issues and, um, you know, political stuff. And there's another one from Blues Dan who gave a one star for an issue that had one of my guests in. I'm not going to say who it was because it was a fucking great episode. Two one stars in a week. Guys, do you think that's fair? Do you think that this is a... Do you think this is a one-star podcast? Come on, man. Um, five-star podcast reviews, and I will read them out. Um, but we have got a couple of five-stars. I'm now annoyed about the Jim Davidson thing. Jim, why can't you just come up with something else? That's the point. Be more specific about me. I love a good insult. If you say something personally devastating to me, I will cry, but I will doff my fucking cap. The Jim Davidson thing. My career has no overlap whatsoever with Jim Davidson. I have not been tapped up to host any sort of primetime game formats. Yeah, I'm not that guy. Think of someone else, for God's sake. Just call me like a fucking, like a poor, like a poor man's Bill Burr. Even that I would take as praise. Just, just, just work a bit harder, trolls. I really feel like you're not putting in the fucking effort. I'm working my ass off here to insult you. And what do I get in return? I get, I get cheap insults that don't even make any fucking sense. Um, but thank you for, um, thanks for posting. Um, da, da Banks, 1979, Da Banks. Uh, really enjoying the podcast. I particularly enjoy the episodes with guests. The Marcus Brigstock episode proved that two individuals with opposing ideas can have a conversation without resorting to screaming ideologies at each other, like social media uh, or the mainstream media would have you believe. Please keep up the good work, Dan from Northampton. Well, yeah, like that episode, if you haven't listened to the Marcus Brigstock episode, it was really interesting how... Just, just two blokes having a chat that clearly disagree with each other it can be now some sort of weird radical act, but it is. Um, and I, my career pretty much depends on really simple things seeming radical. Like, I'm a really simple thing. Yeah, you want to troll me with that. That's what you should do. Wait for me to say something and then turn my own sentence back on me. <laughs> Fucking twat. Jim Davidson. Your mum's Jim Davidson. <laughs> Your mum's Jim Davidson with tits. That doesn't even make sense, but I enjoyed it. Um, RJ Sparks. Uh, second best post podcast jingle. Okay, so despite only having the second best podcast jingle or theme tune, that oh by the way, my, the person that made my podcast tunes is uh, a comic called Steve Shanyaski, who also goes under the name by Zero. Th oh fuck, I can't remember his on his online name, but he does podcast. Um, he does. He can make up this sort. He's brilliant at making music. If you want a theme tunes or something for anything. Email me at whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. And in fact, if you want to contact me about anything, if you want to even want to insult me better than this prick on iTunes insulted me, then give me a shout. So yeah, he likes the um, he likes the podcast. Uh, Jeff makes my Friday commute to Birmingham flyby. As an accountant, I'm probably I'm probably Jeff's target market financially, emotionally, politically. I like the idea that I'm emotionally we're on the same target market. But I still find it's one of the few podcasts I keep listening to without lockdown podcast fatigue setting in. Stand out each week are the two-line songs, although I'm not convinced kebabs and flaps rhyme. <laughs> it's a fair point. A cuss count and sticking to the title. Saying what I believe most people think. Highly recommended and keep up the good work, Jeff. <laughs> Cheers, RJ. I mean, I'm not... Look, 
the Jim Davis guy he didn't get to me at all. Absolutely not, man. I'm way past that, but it's just, just nice to have a bit of praise, you know what I mean? But do I do I come across as Jim Davison? That you know, I mean like, be honest with me, guys, I could take it, but you know, I mean like you know it hurt, but I would definitely understand. Do I really? It's only a game, girl. Snooker in you tonight. Still.